Hello everyone, Trish Guys here, divorce and pre-mediation coach. Welcome to Shit I Learned from My Divorce, a show where I share with you the good, the bad, and the ugly of what I learned from my divorce. 12 years of trying to live my life while my former partner was trying to destroy it. Trish Guys is not a legal professional, nor a licensed mental health professional. The information she provides is not intended to be legal advice and is intended only for informational and entertainment purposes. Some of the topics on the show may be triggering for some, so please use caution and your own discretion. Topics discussed on the show may not be suitable for young children. I do this show for a couple of very important reasons. The first one being that I feel we need to normalize the behaviors and the craziness that occur during a separation and divorce. It's helpful for both the people going through a divorce and those around them to understand what to expect and how to handle it. Going through a divorce is like nothing else that you will ever experience in life. Number two, I want to prompt you to start thinking about things in a different manner so you don't have to make the same mistakes I did. I also hope to fill some of the knowledge gaps you may have and provide you with some ideas or solutions for what is troubling you at the moment. And most importantly, I would love for you to walk away from each episode just a little bit stronger, feeling a bit more validated and a little more settled because you have a bit of knowledge in your toolkit. So I recommend after listening to each episode, take a few minutes and think about what you've heard. What resonated with you? Do some things seem a bit more clear to you now? Or do you need to do a bit more digging? The whole purpose of my show is to get you to see things perhaps in a different light or for you to slow down or step back a little bit and make sure that you're clear about what you're doing, but more importantly, why you're doing it as opposed to reacting. Okay, with that in mind, let's get on with the show. You know, something you said reminds me of something that somebody else once told me. There are consequences for everything, good and bad. So much to what you said, every decision does have a consequence. And when we hear the word consequence, it tends to have a negative connotation where everyone thinks a consequence is bad. But it sounds like what you're saying is not necessarily. That is true. When we look at the the idea of consequences, because the way we have been brought up in our society, the consequence uh, a lot of times has become almost a swear word or a negative word. But there are times where we have to realize that for every action, there is a reaction. And that reaction is the idea of accountability or the idea of consequence. And a lot of times they're positive. So if you're polite to someone and the person says, thank you, there is a good feeling because someone said thank you to you. And that's a consequence of your behavior. So there are two kinds, you know, positive and not so positive. So when we're dealing with values with children specifically, We need to help them to understand that some of the things that are going to happen to them as a result of their actions may help them to realize the positive things in life. Now, not all things will be positive, but all things eventually produce a certain outcome. And then the students, the children, you know, whoever will realize based on their own experience, which is negative, which is positive. As long as everybody knows that the intent should always be to educate, to make things better, and to help that individual to achieve a higher goal by developing, by evolving, and eventually arriving at a positive goal. Do you think in terms of accountability, it also helps children, even adults, see others not only 
be forced to take accountability, but to even more importantly, I think, take accountability on their own. So what I mean by that is, as we grow up as children, do you think it's beneficial or even essential for children to see parents, recognize they've made mistakes, recognize they've done something wrong, or even not do that, but to take accountability? Do you think that's important to children? And what does that say to children? And how does that, how do you think that influences them by seeing people that matter to them take accountability? Well, I believe it is critical. It is it is paramount that parents, adults in general, as role models, show this kind of behavior that is positive. Accepting responsibility for your actions as an adult, especially in front of children, is one of the best things we can do as a learning situation. To say you're sorry when you have made a mistake, that helps a child to see that A, you're human, B, you are in the same ballpark that they are, so you don't think of yourself as superior. And thirdly, I think what happens is that the child learns to appreciate and listen to you because you have demonstrated that aspect of humility and humanity. I like that, humility and humanity, definitely. Because you know, I was saying something to a client the other day, and I firmly believe this, that we don't realize this, but children are constantly learning. We, we understand that. But that oftentimes, if you look at life from their perspective, it can feel like you're always doing something wrong because we're always correcting their behavior. We're always teaching them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially that can be compounded if we, we look to our role models and they look like they've got it all together and they're in control and they never make a mistake, even when the child knows that what they did was wrong. But if the parent doesn't uh, take accountability, I think that messes with their head. So I, you know, I said to them, I said that doing something as important as saying, hey, yes, I messed up. Sorry about that. This is what I'll do differently. That can be very impactful for a child, I believe, because then it normalizes making a mistake. It doesn't feel like a failure. It doesn't compound them and thinking, oh, it's not always such a struggle. Life can be a struggle, but it's about learning as opposed to trying and failing, trialing and failing, or or that there's always a negative consequence. And you know, the person said, she's never thought of it that way. And I didn't either until I actually came out of my mouth. But that's really how I see it is that I think we have a duty to show, to normalize uh, humanity and humility, as you say, and to normalize the fact that we're not perfect. We say that a lot, that we don't expect perfection, but in actual fact, sometimes with our actions, we actually do when we come down hard on kids for this, that, and the other, and we don't seem to be getting our behavior corrected at all or correcting our own behavior. Yes. There's another aspect to this. I think we should be not looking necessarily for But when the opportunity arises, when you have made a mistake and your child, for whatever reason, corrects you or, you know, catches you in that and reminds you that you've made a mistake or a transgression of some sort, take that as a learning opportunity for both the adult and the child by saying, yeah, you're right. You know, I have made that mistake and here's what I should do to correct it. What a great learning situation, much better than anything else we could do. That's such a good point. And you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder, I'm sure many people have grown up with, if they even dared do that, they would suffer a severe consequence. How dare you talk back? How dare you correct me? That kind of thing. Or it wouldn't be seen as a very favorable thing to do. I wonder if there's a correlation between growing up that way and not speaking out as an adult because i don't know about your experience but my experience has been 
for many reasons, I feel compelled to, when I see something's wrong, I have to, and sometimes to my own detriment, but I, I have to. And I know there's people around me that feel the same way, but invariably I'm usually only the one, one of the only ones that steps forward. And I've often wondered about that. What stops people from stepping up to do what they need to do? Because for me, it's not even a, a conscious thing. I just do it. I, I think afterwards, oh, that wasn't maybe so smart. I may have put myself in danger. But I wonder if there's a correlation. I want to know what you think, that if there's a possibility that if people grow up where they do speak out and let's say with their parents and they get uh, punished, if that precludes them from doing that in adulthood. Oh, I, I think there's a, definitely a direct correlation there. You're looking at a situation where we are conditioned, there's no doubt, by many things. And if I am told, you know, shut up and how dare you contradict me or how dare you correct me, well, of course, I'm going to shy away because I will have suffered some negative consequences. I mean, that's only logical. However, we need, as adults, we need to fix our own inadequacies in order to help the younger generation. We need to overcome, or at least overlook, if nothing else, our insecurities and inadequacies when it comes to uh, the younger generation again. So when we make a mistake, if we apologize and we make the correction, and when we are questioned by a younger person, we don't get defensive. We don't get angry or upset in any way or you know, start using language that is aggressive and confrontational, then we will help ourselves to become much more tolerant, but we will teach the younger person a good system of communication, and we will reemphasize and reinforce their self-esteem and their worth, I believe, by allowing them the opportunity to have that respect and dignity and be on the same level as we are in terms of communication. That's so true, you know, especially the same level of communication, because I, I really feel like sometimes we treat kids differently than we, obviously we should treat kids differently in adults in many respects, but in some respects, we should be the same in terms of expecting a certain amount of accountability. I, I feel like adults sometimes get away with too much. And I know that's how kids feel. I've heard it many, many times before. But, you know, interestingly, you say that, that we need to fix our own problems first. It's, it's just like that old analogy of put your oxygen mask on first on the plane before you help others. And I think mm -hmm. people forget about that. But that's so, so salient in every aspect. So, for instance, back to the Hockey Canada example. I read something the other day that one individual who was part of the 2003 team said he was fully aware and saw a video of what occurred and recognized two individuals who then went on to enjoy NHL careers, but didn't say anything right away because he knew it would not be welcome and he would be told to, I think it was like, shut up and stay quiet, don't say anything. And I envision not only just from people his age, but also from the higher up. So now with the, the uh, 218 or 219, whatever the, the, the newest case was, and seeing how it's being handled by Hockey Canada, how it has had been handled in the past up until now, until they were caught. I feel like there's a lot of similarities there as to what you were saying, how they could have handled it differently. Every time somebody pointed out the mistakes that the higher ups made, for instance, taking registration fees from all of the minor hockey people, including our family, and putting it into some kind of equity fund, which in turn sometimes was used to pay out 
sexual assault uh, cases or, or victims. There's always been a backpedaling and there's never been a true sense of accountability. And I imagine that says a lot to the hockey players. We can't expect, I'm judging from what you're saying, we can't expect kids, teenagers, young adults to step up and say, yep, my bad, this is what I did. If the adults are number one, not even taking their own accountability, but also trying to hush everything and sweep it under the carpet. I mean, that's just such a, that's one of the major problems there in Hockey Canada. But what are your thoughts on the whole situation and what could have been done or what should be done going forward? Because now we're in the stage of having to try to clean things up. But how do we make sure that going forward, we don't keep having this toxic issue happen in this sport, in this country? I like to stay away from the hockey itself, but you know, because that's an example of. But I believe very strongly that we as adults, when we are first of all responsible for the upbringing of youth, whether you're a parent, a coach, uh, whoever, we are responsible. Part of the responsibility lies in the aspect of cooperative effort. So what do I mean by that? Well, we need to teach and youth needs to learn, but part of teaching is also learning. In other words, as I am helping the youth to learn some things, I also learn some of the things. I evolve as well. So what we need to understand is that when we act negatively, when we cover up things, when we have the CYA mentality, we need to understand that we can turn that around and do it in a positive way. We can be co-conspirators in a positive way by helping the youth to become not only accountable, but learn through their mistakes, we can do the same thing and we can help them to go through. Because right now, the example you use, adults have learned how to cover up as opposed to expose, take part of the responsibility and help them to live better. So it sounds like you're saying too, that with consequences, it doesn't have to just be a negative connotation that we need to do a better job of understanding and educating people on mm -hmm. the two different aspects of consequences, like the positive. So, and, and, you know, I can see people saying, well, what's in it for me? We're, we're so quick as uh, humans uh, because our brains are wired to keep us away from harm that it's very easy to see the negatives and, oh gosh, where could the danger be? But I think it's a lot more difficult sometimes for people to say, hey, you know, if I step up, if I do the right thing, this could turn into a positive. Oh, of course. And, and not only that, but I think people have to look at it and, and I think a lot of people will look after it this way. If I do the right thing or I do the thing that I'm supposed to do and using myself as an example, again, of not taking that money that the other two friends of mine took when I was in elementary, if you're having brought up on that fear aspect, well, then you don't have to fear because you didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's a selfish thing, but still mm -hmm. a positive mm -hmm. consequence. Mm -hmm. The other one is feeling good about doing the right thing. And that's another positive consequence. So you can be either one of those individuals or feel both at the same time. Either way, it's a win-win situation. And I think the majority of people will associate with that. So it sounds like too, that you're saying or implying that there's a bit of conscious decision-making in this process too. It's not a matter, it doesn't have to be a matter of being compelled or not, but you can actually make a decision and saying, look, you know, I know this is going to be tough, but I can see it this way. And maybe I, I will, it'll be a rough road right now. Yes, I'll be razzed. Yes, I'll be teased. Yes, I'll be this. But 
what's more important to me and making that conscious decision, what's more important? Is acceptance more important? Or is that feeling of, ah, I did something really good for somebody or for myself, or I just did the right thing, or I don't have to fear a consequence because even if someone doesn't get caught right away or doesn't experience a consequence, invariably they may. And I wouldn't want to live with that fear either. And like whatever the rationale is, but it sounds like you're saying that maybe we could spend a bit more time making conscious decisions as to analyzing what do we really want here instead of just kind of, you know, working on rote and being sheep and following what everyone else is doing and not really realizing until afterwards, oh God, I didn't think this one through. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent point because when we're trying to teach youngsters and many people who have children know this already, the younger they are, you start by helping them to be an individual, by helping them to think for themselves and accept whatever consequences they are, the sooner you're going to see a byproduct of that in terms of behavior. And if you keep fine-tuning that behavior by also fine-tuning how you address the learning situation, you will see that your child will become not only independent, but self-reliant when it comes to responsibility and accountability. It's a slow process, but eventually you'll see the outcome. But again, in order to do that, you have to so-called keep the pulse on when it comes to yourself. You need to check yourself all the time when you're teaching your children, your students, your subordinates, if you will, because they are a lot brighter than sometimes we <laughs> give them credit for. So whatever your behavior is or whatever nonverbal cues you give off that are inconsistent with what you're doing, they'll pick it up. So you must actually be a learner to yourself first before you can help others learn. Well, and you raise a really good point in that I think oftentimes, and I, I know a lot of people do this, that when we make mistakes, Either there's shame or guilt or embarrassment involved. And so we try not necessarily to hide it, you know, and sweep it under the carpet, but we'd prefer others don't know. And I'm sure a lot of people, I know I've had these discussions before with people that we don't want our kids to know. There's a sense of, well, I don't want them to think that I don't have my act together. And honestly, we don't because none of us know what we're doing. We're just, we're not infallible. But it sounds like it would be very helpful to be even more demonstrative about it, to have it out in the open. And to, to, again, show kids, hey, this is okay. Guess what? I've been on this earth longer than you, and I make mistakes too, even though I know so much more, and that it's okay. And to show them how to work through it, how to weather through it, what are the feelings like? Because I, I don't think we have enough discussions like that where kids are made to figure it out on their own. And many of us who do that have to figure it out on our own as adults as well, if we haven't had that guidance through life, but also at work. I, I think there's a sense of safety too, and less pressure when you see your boss not stress over making everything perfect. Like for instance, you know, when we all started with Zoom, I'd be on oftentimes either podcasts or meetings and people would invariably, oh God, no, my dog is barking and, and oh no, the tech isn't working and would really get stressed out. I loved it because that gave me breathing room to make mistakes of my own. Or when my dog barked, I didn't think, oh God, that's so unprofessional. That's life. Right? It's just life is too short to be worrying about silly things like that. And I, I always tell people, like, I think that's cool. I think that's great. We need to just relax and let life happen and not be trying so hard to make everything so so sanitized and, and so perfect. Could you give us some examples of if you can think of either in your own personal life with parenting 
or when you're coaching or teaching kids or even, you know, uh, educating your staff, how you would show your infallibility and show that, you know, yes, I make mistakes and how you handled it and how that later on affected, how you, how you saw that influence the people that you're working with. Yes, I have, in fact, too many examples of things <laughs> you like that. a whole that. other episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One that comes to mind that I am proud of because it did two things. Number one, it reflected my value system very well. And secondly, it helped the individual to realize two things again, that I am human, but also I am not the traditional boss mentality person where I give you negative, you know, there are negative consequences for your actions because you made a human error that, you know, was unavoidable because you had the right intention. So mm -hmm. let me, let me explain this. I work with an individual who was my assistant principal and that assistant principal ordered some books. And the unfortunate thing, what happened is that something got mixed up in the order and the books that were received or the books that were ordered, or there was a duplication. Nevertheless, what happened was there was a $5,000 bill in excess of what was expected. Wow. Now, $5,000 in a school, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so that individual met with me to explain you know, what had happened. That individual took the responsibility to admit that so-called error and came to see me. And I shocked that individual because, <laughs> at least this is what I have been told, is that when it was brought to my attention, I said to that individual, did you kill anyone? <laughs> and, and that person said, no. <laughs> did you do anything that was immoral? And that individual said, no. So let's not get excited over it, I said. There's no big deal here. We'll fix this, whatever it is, because you told me that you had this intention, this intention, and this intention. They were all positive, and they were educationally bound to help the students. Mm -hmm. So what's the big deal? Now, that, although it's a simple thing, it showed that people are more important. Money is not as important. Your decision-making is important. You had the right intention. And being human, you've made an error. Why should you get punished or reprimanded or have a negative consequence as a result of trying to do the right thing for the right reason? Hmm. That's, that's huge. Yeah, that's, that's the example that I, I, I am most proud of in the sense that I walk the talk, I guess the expression used to be. <laughs> you know, uh, I profess X and I follow up on it. Because there's nothing worse than you professing that you are this kind of individual and in a hypocritical way do something different. I think I think you're bang on. And back to what you said at the beginning, there are contradictory messages given out to people, mixed messages and hypocrisies. And we mm -hmm. can't we have to be very careful what we're saying matches up with what we're doing. And so we don't have the what's good for the goose isn't for the gander type of situation. And I, I see that every day in my working life. And it it just is it it happened in my personal life a long time ago, before and during my divorce, but very much so too, where there is that that inconsistency. I can do it, but you can't, or vice versa. And you know, kids see that and it gets very, very confusing. But even as adults, and there breeds a ton of resentment because it just and it creates this cognitive dissonance. And 
then I think it also creates problems later if you're trying to influence that person or get them to do something. I don't know how receptive they'll be because they'll they'll be associating you with these inconsistencies. Oh, I see. I have to do this, but you don't. Even simple things yeah. like even around the house, if the kids have to clean up after themselves, so should the adults. You know, like back in the day, it was stereotypical where dad would could just sit and, and not put away stuff. That would drive me crazy if that actually occurred. That would make no sense to people. And so we really have to be careful that that we are walking the talk. And I think more importantly, whoever we are, whether the leader, the boss, the parent, I think we have to do things first before we expect things of others. Would you agree? Yes, yes, yes. And I think another example that illustrates this, but this time with the students in my coaching, we were in my senior boys team at the junior high level. We were at a tournament at St. Mary's, hmm. and uh, during that tournament, uh, the referee made an atrocious bad call. Hmm. You know, my player went up for a layup. The other player fouled him from the you know, from the back by grabbing his shirt. Hmm. We we got the foul, which is a, a crazy. Makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense. It's a, it's a crazy scenario. So I. And let me back up a little. I have always preached to the students to be respectful of the refs and not to question things and just go along with it. You know, they're doing the best they can, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to transgress. Well, this one ticked me off so much. And, because you know, and I wear glasses. So what happened is that I walked onto oh, no. the court and told the ref that he made a screwed up mistake. And he says, no, I didn't. He says, well, here, here are my glasses, I said, because <laughs> I think you need them more than I do. Okay. Then I had to, after the game, I apologized to my uh, to my team because I said, you know, although the spirit was there, it was the wrong thing to do. It was inappropriate. It was disrespectful. I told you people not to do this, and I transgressed. So I apologize because I'm the guy who screwed up here, okay? So now you know that I'm, boy, I'm majorly human here, you know? <laughs> but see, they got the message that, A, it was the wrong thing to do. B, I am consistent, and C, I am, it's not above me to um, apologize for the obvious mistake that I made in a public study. Do you think that impacted these those kids? Do you think it either changed their behavior, or do they even talk about it? Do they talk about it after, or did you get a sense that, yeah, wow, that really, really shocked them, that you took accountability? Because I don't know of many people who do that even to this day. Well, I, I don't know because, you know, we I didn't want to talk about these things unless they brought them up. Mm -hmm. But I saw the behavior in these students, not that it changed because they were pretty good kids in the first place. But you could see that that just reinforced their good nature, their value system. So it was more of a reinforcement and maybe learning for some. Nevertheless, I believe, again, strongly that that kind of behavior cannot but help to either teach or enhance that quality behavior. Shit I Learned From My Divorce is written by me, Trish Guys, and produced by Barry Guys. Audio editing and sound design is by Barry Guys. I would love to have you tell a friend or a family member about this podcast, and you can help me share the important concepts I cover by leaving a rating and review of Shit I Learned From My Divorce on Google Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To stay up to date on the latest from me or to contact me, visit my website, trishguys.com. That's T-R-I-S-H-G-U-I-S-E. You can also find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Trish Guys and on Facebook and Instagram at Trish Guys Divorce Coach. 
Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been Shit I Learned From My Divorce with me, Trish Guys, Divorce and Pre-Mediation Coach. Until next time, be good to yourself and to your kids.